Hello and welcome to the Scottish Fantasy Football Community Podcast. My name is Thomas. And I'm Harry. And this is our 14th game week that we've been doing this. Uh, and it comes off what feels like a pretty barren game week in terms of games played and points. But that's due to both old farm teams playing the cup against St. Johnston and Hibs. And although Hibs played just before we recorded it, it came sort of a long time after when the game week started. Yeah, this week I did manage to secure myself a green arrow, um, but for reasons uh, we will go on to, it doesn't feel like one, that's for sure. Um, I guess I'll just get us started with my team, so 28 points and a green arrow up to an overall rank in the Mega League of 292. Um, the only good from my team this week was uh, McMahon with 12 points. Um, Anik got me three Charles Cook and Devlin uh, scored me three along with McGinn. Um, and then my transfer in, Cochran, scored me zero, which I'm really kicking myself for. Vice-Captain Brophy, two. Ramirez, two. Hedges, one. And Captain Boyle, a whopping minus two. I have to say, you know, as a fantasy football manager, you try to track your mistakes and learn from them. I had been talking all of last week about rolling my transfer was eyeing up the Hearts Motherwell fixture and thought, ah, Cochrane in for a couple of weeks seeing as I was planning a wild carding, guaranteed clean sheet, and then Motherwell go and pull out their best performance of the season out of the bag. Um, so really kicking myself about that. But hey-ho, learn your lessons and move on. Thomas, how did you get on? I mean, I didn't do fantastic. The only saving grace for me was that I didn't have Boyle in my team. What I will say, though, is I forgot to save my team, so I had Captain Virahashi and Cap- Vice-Captain Jota, or the other <laughs> way around. So I got no bonus points from anyone, but looking at my team, I would have not really done much had I done Captain or Vice-Captain anyone with McMahon, the only player returning for me with 12 points. Then Halkett and Smith both got me none. Tanza got me two. Ronan got me three. Ramirez got me two points and then Watt got me a stunning one point after he got yellow carded in the 94th minute for wasting time. I came to the sad realisation on my round, way around here uh, this evening that if I had given my phone to the cat and let it make my transfers for me this week, i.e. not do anything, I'd have been one point better off. I would have had, uh, I think it was Balogun before I brought in Cochrane so he didn't play for zero points and then it would have been someone not playing, I think, who would have been my captain. Um, which so would you not been would you not been two points better off since Boyle then got you minus two? Did mm. you not, or did you not captain Boyle? I captain Boyle, but if you remove his captaincy, he still gets a minus one. So I would have had twenty nine as opposed to twenty eight. Oh points. yeah, you didn't transfer in Boyle. He was no, already in your team. He, I was, forgot he, about was, that. he was already there. Um, so I guess the only thing I can be pleased about is we were on the money with regards to our prediction with this being a very very low scoring game week. I was looking through the scores in the top ten, and I think no one breached forty. Um, with the highest score being like 32. Um, and ultimately, to take another green arrow, you know, I'm not going to complain too much, but not a great week. And with only one free transfer, going into the next game week, I have a little bit of a transfer headache. But I guess we'll, we'll, we'll go into transfers later on in the podcast. How about, Thomas, moving swiftly on, we will tackle the game weeks, uh, the game weeks, the fixtures from game week 14. Why don't you start us off with... Motherwell versus Hearts. I was about to say, it's the first one in my book and Motherwell looked well worth all three points. Doesn't help that Taylor Moore made an arse of it and got himself sent off uh, after receiving his first yellow card 16 minutes before he received his red card. 
Um, Sean Goss got two assists, and then the goals came from Connor Shields and Ricky Lamy. Um, Goss, I've got him down here in my notes, and he was getting very far forwards, and he's also on their direct free kicks. Direct and indirect, are they not? Or maybe, maybe as well I mean, as indirect. He, he he swung in the indirect free kick for Lamy's header. I thought it was a direct free kick. What do you think he was putting that on target? And then oh no 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 it. no like a direct free kick is when there's someone in the wall. Oh, I thought direct free kick was when you shoot and indirect was when you don't shoot. Is that oh ah. dear? Ah, oh, well I've learned something today. <laughs> oh dear! Welcome to the go. Scottish Fantasy Football Community Podcast. Yeah. Uh, no, so direct free kicks when there's a wall, indirect is when there's none. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so Goss was on the free kicks and was also just getting very like far up the pitch. Um, and when Hearts also got forward, Woodburn was getting in a very advanced positions, um, saying that they didn't really do much with those advanced positions. Um, not from an FFS point of view, but Willery himself had a decent game from what I saw. Um, and on the polar opposite of that, Mackay looked pretty dross. Like, he just didn't seem to be able to get it going for him. Who, Billy Mackay? Yeah. I am of a completely differing opinion. I thought in the first sort of 60 odd minutes, whatever, until boys came on, Billy Mackay was their standout player. And I by Billy, you mean made... Barry? Oh, why do I always get that wrong? Um, yes, Barry Mackay. Um, I thought he was playing some excellent through balls, beating men, and was sort of the, their, their biggest attacking um, creative force. I think I have him down here as, uh, yeah, making three key passes. Three key passes and creating one big chance. So I don't think he has a bad game as you perceived. I think potentially Hearts were missing uh, Boyce. Saying that when Boyce came on, he looked a bit not too great, but I think that's because they sort of starting started referring to hoofball football. And when you have, I think, was it Mackay, someone else, and Boyce up top, that's not like the greatest front three to do that because they're pretty short. But Yes. Um, moving on to the other side of the pitch, Motherwell looked fantastic. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've got the stats here. So Motherwell had 20 shots to Hearts' 6, 13 shots in the box to Hearts' 3, 7 shots on target to Hearts' 4, and had 2 big chances to Hearts' 1. They also recorded a total XG of 2.21 to Hearts' 0.25. So that suggests that both offensively and defensively, they were pretty outstanding. And that matches up well with the eye test. What I thought was interesting was, I think, um, like the shape that Motherwell took, especially when they were pressing the ball, was perfect. Um, they used their three attackers to aggressively press any of the three centre-backs who all, I guess, are encouraged by Robbie Nielsen to play it from the back. And I think that really is what you know, forced all of those mistakes out of Moore. I mean, he wasn't just at fault for getting himself sent off. I think he was directly responsible for at least one of the goals. I think, was it not his foul that led to the free kick that was swung in and scored from? I think you would be correct, yes. Um, so he he had a nightmare, but I think, by and large, that was a, as a result of the way that Motherwell were pressing. And yes, they also looked great going forward. You know, um, what we'll say about the, the sorry, before you go on, the pressing, that they, the high press that they did, could have been what forced them to just sort of hoof it long. Because if you're under pressure from three players and that's just constant, it makes you sort of... And, and when your players are making mistakes like that, it's like, crap, we need to get out of here. So that you just start punting it long. It was just the perfect game plan from Motherwell. The three forwards match up with the three centre-backs. Then having three in midfield to Hearts' two meant that Hearts had no opportunities to play from the back, which 
we as we know at this point in the season is is the way that you know they like to play so you know i was renting motherwell on last week's podcast but fair play they looked excellent and i'm being forced to reconsider this week i can't say from a fantasy football perspective i'll be bringing any of their assets in immediately um, have you got tony watt don't have tony watt you wouldn't consider bringing him in i have i remember him playing relatively well yeah but he hasn't returned in the last three weeks and I think he has a tough run of fixtures. And if he does double, I think he bl- I think he only has a single game week in game week eighteen. Uh, yes, he does. He actually so, doesn't have any any doubles. Yeah, so not not particularly interested in him. Yeah, and so yeah, and the, his run of fixtures goes Dundee FC, so that's good. But then they've got United, Hibs, and then Celtic, and then St Johnston. All. Yeah. Oh, I mean Hibs. We'll get onto them later, but they aren't looking the greatest. But the other teams defensively are all very solid. I think before we move on, one player I think that's worth highlighting is um, Shields. He took five shots, put three on target, missed one big chance, which, as we said, is one of those things. Uh, it's not good because he's, because he's missed, but it's good because clearly he's getting himself in goal-scoring positions. And then he also recorded himself a goal. So um, he replaced Kevin Van Veen, who was suspended for this match, uh, following picking up six red cards for the season. Red cards? Six yellow cards for the season. And yeah, I think that's the last price I want to pull up before moving on. Okay, next on the running order is Dundee United versus Aberdeen. Um, yes, yeah, so it was a pretty fiery affair at yeah. Tanadice. Yeah. Um, there was three red cards. You had Callum Butcher for ball slapping Ramirez. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had Ojo sent off for having an altercation with a fan, and then Stephen Glass got sent off for arguing with the referee. A very Scottish football game yeah. is what I would call it. Uh, how many managers is that that's been sent off this oh, season? Oh, so now? many. I, I can think, think I'm going to go four or five. Robbie Nielsen. Robbie Nielsen. Pick, Declan Glass. I've... I swear there's one or two more. Uh, Martin Dale has been sent to the stands as well. So that's four, at least. Has um, Goodwin not been sent to the stands? Or am I... No, I don't think so. Don't think so. I think so. Anyways, to the game. Um... Yeah, um, Dun- uh, Dundee, Aberdeen didn't look great, but they also didn't just look... It's the tale of the season for Aberdeen. They looked like they should have got more points than they did. And I was looking at the analysts. They have a statistic, which is pretty much the number of goals a goalkeeper has conceded for their team. And Joe Lewis is the second worst. It's not great. He, de- he very much is a weak link, and I th- and I'm losing count of the number of times that Aberdeen have won the XG battle in virtual commas, but lost the fixture. You know they came away, you know, with no points, with a you know a well taken Hearts goal. Disappointing stuff. Realistically, I have here in my notes that Aberdeen were creating opportunities, uh, but ultimately they weren't taking them. Yep, uh, and- I've got three players to highlight going forward: were Hedges, Watkins, and Ramirez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they. Ju- it's the same as it seems like it's the same every week. They don't take their chances, or they have poor so- shot selection, and then they're not necessarily defensively fragile. But the second someone shoots, J- Joe Lewis is a bit of a bomb scare. I mean, you say that there's a mistake in them, and I and and, and here, and um, Longstaff was caught in possession, you know, dithering on the ball when he should have he he should have played a fairly straightforward pass. That mistake. Event like led eventually to uh, the Dundee United corner from which they scored. 
So I think the Aberdeen's primary issues at the moment are yes, the goalkeeper, but just an ind- like an individual clangor once a game that costs them, you know, two or all three points. But I also remember watching the goal, and Joe Lewis's positioning was so poor. He was so far over to what was his right, where there was plenty of time for him to sort of maybe get closer to the centre of goal. I mean, I'm not a goalkeeping expert, but I feel like there was time for him to sort of move over. But yes, another, another poor goal for Aberdeen to concede. On the flip side, um, McMahon scored 12 points for myself and yourself this yep. week um, with his um, clean sheet assist and bonus points. Yep. Um, and I also noticed that Freeman was bombing down that right-hand side, yep. taking a shot from inside the box. And ultimately, as per usual, Dundee United look, continued to look... Um, Defensively solid. Yep. Compact and very resolute. You know, really putting their bodies, you know, I guess on the line, you know, getting stuck into challenges. And ultimately, that's them top of the, top of the clean sheet league with six. Is it? Yep. No, I didn't know. Celtic on five and uh, Dundee United on six. So fair play. Um, and what I will say is even when they were reduced to 10 men, they didn't necessarily, like, even with there being more space due to less players, they still looked very well organised. So Tam Courts has definitely got something going there. And I think he was written off at the start of the season and he's proved pretty much everybody wrong. From a fantasy football perspective, Thomas, is there anyone who you'd like to pick out with regards to the underlying statistics this week? We already discussed McMahon. He had one assist, one clean sheet, two key passes and one big chance created, which was obviously for the corner that led to the goal. Anyone else, Thomas? Um, from what I can remember, that no one looked, no one else looked really too fantastic in the game. I mean, Watkins and Ramirez looked Okay, I mean they got they had like decent chances in the box, but they never looked like they were going to finish their dinner. And yeah, just I agree. The only other player I've got, you know, dug out here is Hedges. Two shots, one on target, one big chance missed, and three key passes made. So it's it's fairly reasonable. Yeah, um, but again, it's another game that statistically Aberdeen should have won. They had twelve shots to Dundee United's uh, seven. They had both had six shots, six shots in the box. Um, Aberdeen had twice the number of shots on target with 4-2 to two. they both had one big chance and Aberdeen missed theirs Dundee United scored yeah but yeah um, apart from, yeah nothing else I really want to pick out there I noticed that no player had more than one shot on target and as someone who was considering bringing Clark in on a wild card for a bench boost that makes me a bit less interested uh, so yes we're now going to Paisley for the St Mary and Livingston game uh, one all draw so I mean it's not fantastic for any fantasy football managers unless you had McGrath who had a very lovely finish it, was, he, it looked like he noticed that Stryek was off the line and sort of dinked into the top corner he didn't even dink it because there was a decent amount of like he was from a long way out yeah. and it wasn't, there wasn't, he wasn't that far off his line he's just hit it perfectly oh yes it's plenty like plenty of dip on it right on the postage stamp yeah, as well it was excellent stuff um, I have to say as well at that point I was licking my lips looking at that uh, jackanic clean sheet couple of bonus points to come and then Nicky Devlin busts that with his own howitzer from about 20, 25 yards out um, into the bottom corner um, from a fantasy football perspective, the only things I thought really were worth noting that Brophy has come back in, but ultimately failed to impress. Tanzer continues to create opportunities from set pieces, but again, didn't look great. 
and I guess St Mirren's offensive issues continue at home. Um, I think they are one of the poorer sides in the league for expected goals for and against at home. I'm just going to quickly do my toggle. Yep, second worst for expected goals um, at home. So maybe in hindsight, my vice captaincy selection of Boyce was not particularly great. Anything you would like to mention? Uh, from watching the sports scene highlights, it seemed like Christian Montano was getting very far forward and he had a couple of shots pretty much right in front of goal, but just for some reason couldn't direct them on target. But that was, I think, his first start in three games. So unless he starts playing more regularly for Livy, he's not even a consideration. But when he does, he might be someone I would consider. True. And uh, then uh, Oden Bailey had two key passes this game. So again, something to consider because he's been returning a decent amount for a Livy player in recent times. But yeah. Again, nothing too huge to report back on. Um, I mean, it is worth noting that Livingston do double in game week 17 at home in both fixtures, but it is against Hearts and Hibs, so I don't know how quickly I'll be moving towards Livingston assets. Saying that, Hearts haven't kept a clean sheet in the last couple of games, and Hibs are on a five-game losing streak. Hearts are terrible away from home as well, as it turns out. So, I mean, there there is potential for a couple of goals... I don't know who I'm going to go to, though. I don't trust Odin Bailey or Anderson particularly as picks, and I also don't trust their defence. But it is worth noting um, that Livingston have come into a bit of form, and it's maybe worth keeping an eye on assets such as the ones we have just mentioned. Yes. Last game of the week has finished not long before we started recording, which saw Hibs lose away from home to Ross County. Um, we have not yet, as of yet, really had a chance, obviously, to, to see the highlights. Um, but um, the numbers from the game are not looking. In fact, do you know what, Thomas? Let's pull them up right now, live on air, break this game down. I, I was listening to it, and it sounded like for the first hour or so, Hibs were pretty on top. And um, it, it sounded like it was almost a surprise to the commentators that Hibs hadn't gone ahead. There seemed like there was a couple of decent chances for Nisbet that he just missed. Story of his season, ultimately. I mean, yeah, I've got the stats true. here, and whilst Hibs do appear to have, you know, had more of the ball, Ross County took more shots, put more of them on target, just, and... Uh, they had, had four corners. big chances. Uh, more shots inside the box. Yeah, so... You know, maybe Ross County are coming to a bit of form here. They are, I have Regan Charles Cook, um... And they do have double upcoming. I know that Celtic. I think it's Celtic are one of those fixtures. I'm going to have to double check that quickly. Yep, Celtic are one of those fixtures. But you know, Dundee FC is the other. And if, if you know, you take the two points for playing 60 minutes and add it to whatever returns you think a player might get into uh, into the equation. You know, it's something I'm worth considering. Bench boosting with a couple of Ross County players. Um, I like that. You know, we we broke the. We talked a little bit last week about what. Um, Ross County assets look like they might you know, have a bit of uh, upside potential. Regan Charles Cook was one. Um, Ross Callahan being the other. I noticed that. Yeah, and then the two wingbacks, uh, Connor Randall and uh, Harry Clark, look like picks too. Um, so uh, something to keep an eye on. And I'm not gonna you know come down you know land too hardly on an opinion before I've you know watched the highlights. Um, but my goodness me. I've just sorted by shots on target and uh, Blair Spittle, Harry Clark, Jordan White and Joseph Hungbo all took their turn at missing a big chance. Um, so, 
Yeah, I think it's something we have to delve into further. But ultimately, the big news coming out of this game is uh, the Boyle red card. I'm sure a number of fantasy football Scotland owners are on him currently. Not only do they own him, they it, I think the FS, FFS Twitter account put up that nearly 9% captained him this week. Yeah. Backfired match after him bagging that hat trick in the Premier was it Premier Sports Cup semi final against Rangers, put up a tweet you know screenshot and boil with the captaincy being like looking forward to this and my God I couldn't imagine it have gone worse. No negative points doubled, fantastic. Um, maybe something to highlight from this game would be Harry Payton. Harry Payton. Harry Payton. Um. He was he created four big uh, big pat chances. He created he had four key passes, um, but apart from that, I can't see too much. Harry Clark's um, big chance missed. I think is you know something worth noting purely based on the fact that he's you know getting in these positions. Um, let's have a look at the defensive numbers from interceptions and tackles. Uh, ah, nothing really stands out here either. To be quite honest. No, the only thing I can see here is that Darren McGregor will have got two extra points from three tackles and three interceptions completed. So and four he, saves for Ashley Maynard plus the clean sheet, so maybe he'll be on for a bonus point or two. Um, but I mean, honestly, Thomas, this result has thrown a spanner in the works. I mean, I guess we're going to talk about transfers and transfer plans upcoming. My plan had been to not burn transfers, but be you know a bit more aggressive with them seeing as they're going to be short-term picks with plans of uh, wildcarding in game week 17. The plan initially had been to bring in or to have three Hibs players in that wildcard. Boyle will be suspended now for the next fixture and then plays Rangers, so he'll be out for me this week. Yourself, Thomas, what's your plan? Are you still thinking of wildcarding in 17 or is this altered your... I mean... It, it it makes it like Hibs being rubbish in the league is just not really what I expected, especially off that like fantastic three one win against Rangers. Like beating Rangers is no mean feat, and doing it as emphatically as Hibs did, or as Martin Boyle did, this sort of comes as a shock to one of the worst teams in the league. Um, but Hibs do have a double double, and it's. You do start to question if, like as you were saying, they play two games yeah. each week. So that's if a player plays sixty minutes in both of those, that's four points already, and they aren't playing the most fantastic teams defensively. I mean, you've got Motherwell and Livingston in game week seventeen, and although Motherwell looked fantastic this week, they've not looked convincing the rest of the season. Livingston are pretty solid defensively, but then you've got Saint Mirren and Dundee who aren't the greatest at the back. Um, Josh underscore football actually answers what's the plan with jo- with um, what are your plans with Boyle you don't own him I own him he asks you know is it worth taking him out for this game week coming to bring him back in game week 17 what do you think I should do Thomas I think he's probably a priority transfer out seeing he's you know well up over 6 mil and isn't playing for the next two game weeks is it two game weeks will it not just be one oh sorry it, yes, he, it, he, it was a double be- yellow wasn't it He'll be uh he'll not be playing this game suspended week. in game week fifteen, but then he's they, playing Rangers. Yep. So again, that's another very sticky fixture. So, I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you transferred him out, but I st- it, it you're going to bring him back in for those two fixtures in game week seventeen, game week eighteen, almost irrespective of Hibbs's form going into those. 
Just because um, they're playing so many games. Yep, I would agree. So um, I'm so going to... I guess maybe I would hold in that case. But if you're planning on wildcarding in game week 17, I would maybe sell them to try and, f- like, f- try and find an upside for the short term. Yeah. Maybe try and bring in a Celtic player, like a Celtic big hitter in midfield because they play Aberdeen and Hearts both at home. Yep. So and, and we know we've been speaking of Aberdeen, Aberdeen's goalkeeping frailties and Hearts haven't looked as great defensively recently. So you could maybe bring in a Jota or a Furuhashi. I like that to be honest. I think that's why I, f- I, I mean I know Hibbs not looking great has is making me question the game week seventeen wild card, but ultimately there is no better opportunity this season, I don't think. I think this will this will be the season's biggest double game week. So I would hold on to Oh, would I No, I think I would yeah, I would do something that I, I would remove Boyle for Yota if you've got the fans or for a Turnbull or maybe to take a punt on Forest. Or maybe a you know a Rangers midfielder yep. you think well we're gonna go on and talk about Rangers actually in a bit. Um, what we think they might look like under uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, you know, take a punt on a premium uh, Rangers defender. I think, yes, that is a good idea. Take Boyle out for a short-term punt. If you're wildcarding in game week 17, but if you fully intend on bringing him back in, I, I, I don't see the point. I think you should be if building yeah. towards game week 18 using your, transfer, using your transfers in that regard. If, you're not, if, you're, if you don't have the wildcard or don't plan on using it then, you should hold on to him and build towards this game week. And then, yeah, even if... It does sound maybe not like the greatest idea to have a play like a, such a big hitter on the bench for those games, but if you have a bench trick player and for whatever reason, I mean, I suppose you could use him as your game, uh, your bench trick player during game week fifteen since he's suspended, and then just have him on the bench for the Rangers game if you don't have one, if if you already have one, so he could potentially come off if he does return. But yeah, if you're planning on wildcard in game week seventeen, I uh, would try to get him out because. Hibs haven't been convincing at all, apart from that one game in the semi-final. Yeah, and I and I look at the fixtures, particularly for Celtic and Rangers. Celtic play Aberdeen at home, a team they haven't lost to. Bear with me one second. I have this on a piece of paper somewhere. A team that they haven't that Aberdeen haven't beaten Celtic since uh, the thirteenth of May two thousand eighteen. And ultimately. Yota and Kyogo have been involved in 10 of the last 14 league goals, so I think it wouldn't make sense to have £6 million-odd pounds Martin Ball sitting on the bench when you could be bringing in one of those two guys if you don't already own them. Um, so they play Aberdeen at home, Hearts at home, who are a team much less than um, sorry away than they are at home. I've got the data here. Uh, at home, Hearts have an expected goals of 1.36, an expected goals against of 0.88, and away from home, this number essentially flips on its head. 0.77 expected goals to 1.35 expected goals against. So I like Celtic players for, for both of those fixtures. On the other side of Glasgow, Rangers played Livingston away and a, a, you know, a, a fairly frail Hibs before playing Dundee at home then doubling against Hearts away and St. Johnson at home. So I think, yeah, boil out. Fair enough. Let me have a look. Is there anything else worth considering from a, a transfer plans perspective? I think we've more or less covered it. Those on a wild card can afford more aggressive moves covered. Um, those without the wild card should potentially hold on to Boyle and build towards game week 17 and 18. Before going on to talk a little bit about what we think um, the new appointment over Ibrox means for Fantasy Football Scotland, I think it's worth talking about captaincy. 
Is there any fixtures that you like the look of are from uh, round 15 of uh, the Scottish Premiership? I mean, I was talking about Aberdeen at home for Celtic. I think that's almost a must target. Um, you could potentially vice-captain someone like Tony Watt because they are playing Dundee away from home. And Dundee, when they're playing away, they don't mind to sit back. But it seems when they are playing at the, is it the Dens Park, Dens the, Park. The Park, they seem a lot more willing to sort of push out and that could leave gaps in behind and leave space for their strikers. So, I mean, I wouldn't advise against a Tony Watt vice-captain or if you've got any of the other strikers vice-captaining them, that would probably be a decent idea. Yeah, I think for me, top of my list, and I know it's pretty unimaginative, um, Livingston host Rangers. And I think when you compare the two sides, expected goals and expected goals against, I think it's quite a, a straightforward matchup. Let's not forget, first of all, that you know Rangers have already turned over Livingston three 0 this season. Um, but when you go to the expected data over the average for the season, the last six and last four, Rangers expected goals um, are almost treble between three and four times that of Livingston. Um, and uh, the expected goals against for Livingston is about double that of Rangers. So I think, you know, high clean sheet potential, high scoring potential, I do think Tav is a good shout. Obviously, um, we're going to expect a small amount of flux with regards to the sides picked under a new manager, but I think it would be upsetting the apple cart too much to drop Tav so quickly. Um, so at the moment, captaincy is on Tav. Shock. And then, yes, I, I'm, on, I'm in the same boat with, uh, as you, Thomas, with regards to... Th- considering Aberdeen as a as a fixture to target. As I mentioned already, uh, Aberdeen haven't beaten Celtic in two and a half years, and Jota and Kyogo um, are involved in everything going forward um, for Celtic. What I do think would be interesting is I, I reckon this is the league game that Forrest gets his first start of the season. He's been getting minutes here and there, and he is, you know, uh, what could be referred to as a numbers winger, a winger that gets uh, plenty of shots, goals and they're there for assists. I think I was listening to Open Goal this morning and they were saying that the only Celtic player in history to have more goal involvement than uh, Alan, For- Alan Forrest um, than Forrest was uh, Henrik Larsson. Really? Yeah. So I think if you are like me, wildcard in game week 17, that could be a wee outside punt and exciting pick. Sadly we won't get team news so it is definitely definitely a gamble. But I like that. Yeah, I mean, and if he's if he's starting, I mean, there's the batter hasn't really been firing. He needs and, a break too. Yeah, I mean, he's only 19 and he's pre- played every game for Celtic so far. Oh, and then nice. yeah. you've got James Forrest who just scored in their semi cup final win as a substitute. So, yeah, I mean, like Postecoglou must be considering him as a starter now. And then. My last captaincy pick on my list here, Thomas. Um, I well, made these notes um, at work, you know, well before the Hibs um, Ross Kenty game was Boyle. Uh, but scratch that because he won't be playing, and I think Hibs are a lot less than without a player like him. So well, I mean, they're without both Doidge and Boyle, and that's their two best offensive assets, in my opinion. Nisbet's a good striker, but he needs Boyle and Doidge to be firing. So. I don't think Hibs will be anywhere near as good as they are going forward, especially when they lack a bit of squad depth um, because the quality outside of the first team isn't the greatest. Rightio then, I think um, you know, we've answered our only question um, so far. Um, so I think before we round off, I th- 
it's worth going through um, what we think uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst um, means for not only Rangers but Rangers assets uh, in the Fantasy Football Scotland game. Um, so first of all, I'm going to take very little credit for the work done here. This has all been pinched from articles written by... Uh, the first one was by uh, Patrick Caskey, um, t- article titled uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst Joins Rangers In-Depth Analysis. And then two articles written by uh, Joshua Barry, um, fullbacks defending, wingers playing wide and strikers grabbing goals. And then why Robin Van Persie recall shows Rangers can get Alfredo Morales back to bulldoze and best. So based on the titles of particularly the last two articles, we're sort of given a an idea as to what players we think will be benefiting from Giovanni, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Um, but I think it makes sense to start from from the back. So Giovanni Van Bronckhorst typically sets up his teams in a four two three one and a four three three. This was the case. The major, I think, more than eighty percent of his matches were played at Feyenoord in one of these uh, two formations, which is very handy for Rangers, seeing as these are the two f- formations that Gerard employed during his tenure, mean, and and means that hopefully, whilst there will be a, you know a period of transition uh, for Rangers, I think they will be brought up to speed with regards to. Um, I'm just going to call him GVB from here on out to save myself the tongue twister, um, GVB system. Um, when it comes to goalkeeper, I don't think there's too much worth. Uh, uh, highlighting, they play uh, the keepers either expected to play short to the back four or lofted forwards into the sort of central midfield and, and striker positions. Um, something that were, I think it was um, uh, Patrick Cassie highlighted towards the end of his time at uh, Feyenoord, the young keeper started playing and he was encouraged seemingly to um, whenever he gathered the ball, pick it up sprint to the end of his box and launch a counter attack with a, you know a hasty throw up field. And it would be interesting to see someone like McCrory come in. I mean, you've mentioned this already. Maybe off air, I think it was. Um, McLaughlin and McGregor not having particularly great seasons. And, you know, managers like to freshen up this position, it seems, when they come in. So what were the numbers for the for the keepers from, from Rangers this far season? I mean, where they've both played uh, a similar number of games no, I, to this point. It says on here that they've played... Where the, is this, by the way, sorry? Uh, this, sorry, this is... Uh, theanalyst.com and you can find their stuff pretty easily um, but yeah they have sort of a, a goalkeeping metric uh, and I was saying earlier that uh, Joe Lewis is one of the worst in the league the next worst is Alan McGregor so this goalkeeping, this goalkeeping metric is what expected goals I know so it's goals prevented so it's okay. number of goals you've uh, xg minus goals conceded so the higher the number you have, the more goals that you've prevented from going in. And Joe Lewis is on minus 5.3 uh, and McGregor's on minus 2.7. So, I mean, they're both not no. doing very great, no. So, I guess, eyes peeled on McCrory, because, yes, you know, I've already been there with Leon Belgan and, you know, he didn't give a clean sheet once for me whilst I have it in my team. But at 2.4 million, he's not to be sniffed at if he becomes the new starting keeper. Moving up the pitch slightly, um, when it comes to, I think I think it's worth addressing the fullbacks here primarily. Um, versus inferior sides, uh, GVB has uh, his team 
when in possession, building up the pitch set up in a sort of 3-3-4 with one of the two fullbacks um, becoming a sort of un- impromptu winger, which is a position we're quite familiar with. Uh, where we see Tav, Barisic, Bassey, Patterson, etc. are more than happy to take up. Um, on the flip side of this, during their title-winning uh, title season, all of the fullbacks combined made six assists um, at Feyenoord, uh, so that is something to be considered. Whilst uh, the fullbacks for Rangers under Gerrard did push up the pitch, they would push inside as well, get a bit closer to the box, whereas uh, GVB expects his fullbacks to stretch the play, so maybe uh, we'll see less of less goal involvement from Tav and Barisic, but first of all, uh, none of the fullbacks at Feyenoord um, possess the attacking threat that the fullbacks at Rangers do. And second of all, um, particularly in the cases of Tav and Barisic, they're on the vast majority, if not all, of the Rangers set pieces. Um, so I don't think that's going to decline too much. And finally, with fullbacks as capable as Tav and Borna Barisic, Patterson, Bassi, etc., um, it would be surprising if Gio um, was to not alter his approach and you know accommodate yeah. uh, accommodate this ability. Something I guess people have been worried about this season so far and it has yet to come to fruition is the Patterson-Tav conundrum. Uh, I was speaking to a, a, a good friend of mine. He has a Twitter account um, at West End Blue Nose. Um, he thinks that Patterson will likely receive more game time. I Ooh, mean, that's, that's like if that is true, that could be. A good cheap option into the Rangers' defence. I'd agree. Um, it does make Tav less desirable too. I think what's most likely going to happen is something similar to maybe the Scotland setup, where Steve Clark has figured out a way to have both Tierney and Robertson playing well in on the same side in the same team. Um, so do you think there's maybe potential that either Tav or Patterson sort of move into a right mid slash right winger role? It would be interesting to see. I don't know how necessarily um, that they could fit them in. There have been talk, you know, people have wondered would would Tav look good at CDM, but ultimately I don't think he's good enough on the ball. Um, you know, I don't think he has necessarily the ability to beat a man in the middle of the park that would be required to take on that sort of central defensive midfield position. Uh, but it, it has to be. I, I think it's first of all you're upsetting the apple cart far too much if you drop your captain immediately yeah. and the but, player that's played potentially your most minutes over the last two or three seasons. And has also just been your best player over the last two yep. or three seasons. So I, I don't think it would make sense to drop him completely. But also, there are Premier League clubs sniffing around Patterson. And I think this I think I saw on Twitter the stat was he's played more minutes for Scotland this season than he has for Rangers in the league. Um, so something to keep an eye on, certainly. Um, and I guess just to sort of conclude that part of the discussion is I, I wouldn't be moving Tav on and if you don't own him already I would be looking to maybe bring him in but understand now potentially as would be the case anyways um, there is a bit more rotation risk with the new manager as well as just sort of an uncertainty on which player he would prefer I can't this I can't um, say with any assertion that Rangers will look more solid defensively ultimately they are still light at centre back um, and I don't, you know, during his time at or that Feyenoord side was a little bit inconsistent. Um, so it remains to be seen if, uh, you know, the issue with leaking goals at the back is to be resolved. On from defence and into midfield, I think this is potentially one of the areas where we may see an increase in value when it comes to fantasy football Scotland assets. Um, so I have here... 
what I have referred to as the Toonstra role. Now, Toonstra was what is referred to as a mezzala, I think is the Italian terminology for the player in this position. It's essentially the most attacking central midfielder of typically a midfield three. Yes, I also believe it's what it's called in Football Manager. Yeah, that too. They are the a central midfielder who is expected to make sort of late runs into the box um, and score, you know, create and finish chances. Uh, I think after their striker Jorgensen, he had the, I think it was the second highest expected goal involvement uh, of, of the whole squad. I'm just going to quickly go to the graphic now and pull that up. Yep, here we are. So, Toonstra came second to, to Jorgensen. I think what makes this interesting is who do we think is going to take this role? Um, the most common goal type for a player of this position is the late third man run into the box, something that Scott Arfield um, has done well for Rangers. Um, so it would be interesting to see if he would feature more often. Um, he on fantasy football Scotland is priced at 5.6 million and I think potentially is a little bit past it and there are potentially other better options for this position. I think Ianis Hagi would be a good option in that sort of late man arriving you know, central midfield role. It would be interesting to see him. But another pick I really liked was Leandro Bacuna. Now, in the I think it was in the most recent fixture in the league, yep. he started on the left central midfield and has been taking shots from in and around the box. Add on top of that the time he spent, you know, developing. I think it was at how Groningen. Is that how oh, you pronounce it? Way before. He came. Yep. In in the Eredivisie, um, means that there will potentially be a connection between manager and player here. So I would be unsurprised to see him start in the league, and I'm I'm quite excited to see what yeah where the points will be coming from midfield. An argument could also be made for Joel Rebo. However, I think he is best deployed out at that right wing spot. Another um, analysis, or at least another thing that um, Joshua Barry is hopeful for, is he believes that he might be able to get more Gio, uh, Giovanni van Bronckhorst might be able to get more change out of the of the wingers. Uh, he thinks he'll encourage them to attack space uh, and get in behind and take more shots. So it would be good to see you know Kent or Ianis Hagi or Aribo um, increasing their goal involvement. You know, particularly in the case of Kent, he's been pretty disappointing thus far this season. Finally. I think the player that we will see the most change in is a certain Alfredo Morelos. Once Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has determined his number nine, he tends to stick by them. This may not continue at Rangers considering the depth that they have in this position, but Alfredo Morelos' talent is undeniable. What he can offer in the penalty box is you know, not to be sniffed at. Um, he has been expected by Gerard over the last sort of 18 months to drop deep and link up play. I think what we will see under Giovanni van Bronckhorst is him to play more of a natural striker role and therefore his goal tally to start ticking up as well. I think he has three goals in his last six so was already improving his form and I think this will continue very much so under Giovanni van Bronckhorst. So I guess to summarise my Rangers under Giovanni van Bronckhorst section I would say from a fantasy football perspective, I would, if I owned Tav, I would stay on him. I think uh, his attacking output will, will continue. Be wary, obviously, now of potentially a touch more rotation. Uh, second thing is to keep an eye on those midfield assets, namely Bakunya, Kent, 
Aribo, Hagi, and uh, Scott Arfield being the last one. I think we'll see one of those five becoming the quote unquote taking up on the the uh, the Turnstra role uh, under Giovanni van Bramkhorst, and finally Morelos. Whilst I understand his price is astronomical, I think under uh, Giovanni van Bramkhorst he could go on to have a particularly successful season. What do you think, Thomas? Sounds like there's. First of all, sounds like he plays a very Dutch style of football—a four-three-three, oh, yeah. wide wingers and a prolific striker. Um, but yeah, I, with regards to that running midfield, that the, the late arrival of midfielder—if Scott Arfield or Bakunya are those players—that if, if I'm right in saying they're four Rangers assets, they're pretty cheap, and if they're getting in the box for that that unmarked man late arrival, they could be in for a few goals. That's what that's what I've got my eye on particularly. I mean, I already own Tav. It's unlikely I'll find a way to Morelos. That premium midfielder is something I'm strong. I, I would really like to, to give us another option. You know, the strikers. Boyce hasn't returned in three weeks because of his injury. Um, Nisbet's been poor this year. Tony Watt hasn't returned recently. Nor has Ramirez. Nor has Brophy. Um, Kyogo and Kyogo and Yota have been solid for return. So has Turnbull. But these well, are all midfielders. No, exactly. Um, yeah, there's like recently, especially over there. There are throughout the season some decent scoring attackers. You've got Ramirez, who's scored pretty prolifically. Tony Watt's been doing well up until a few weeks ago, and so was Boyce. But now those goals up top are drying up, and maybe having someone like Morelos scoring more would be. A potential headache for someone like who doesn't really have the funds to try and move them forward to sort of figure a way out. Something I'm hoping for as well is Fashion Sakal to get more game time. He's listed as a forward at a far more affordable 5.5 million. So in that very similar price bracket to you know Brophy, Watt, Ramirez, etc., um, and could take up a, a, a wing position um, where he's encouraged to attack the box and attack space. And, and you know, and he himself, I think he scored three goals whilst away on international duty. Scored a goal the week before and then three uh, in the league before that um, yeah no I think it's Tav in still if you don't own him he's been the best one of the best I mean the best creative player in the league thus far um, when it comes to you know offensive returns but definitely keep an eye on that midfield position who Giovanni Van Bronckhorst employs in that Mitsalo role and I think I'm happy to leave it there Thomas anything else you'd like to add uh, no, I, you were the one that did all the research for Geo or GVB. Um, but yes, understand that yeah, a bit of rotation risk, and maybe you know, keep your eyes peeled on the lineup for the midweek fixture in Europe, and who plays well and who doesn't. But just be a wee bit careful when it goes to picking one of those midfielders. I would be waiting at least until game week seventeen, eighteen before I decide on one. I think I'm happy to call it there, Thomas. Yep. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been the SFFC podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SFFantasyCom and we will see you after this game week. See ya.